So many of you have now uh, seen the awful images uh, from this weekend storms that swept through this part of the country uh, early Saturday morning. Uh, specifically, Mayfield, Kentucky, certain parts of Illinois have been uh, very badly hit, and, um, and it's just heartbreaking to see the loss of life, the loss of homes. Um, some of you may not know this, but this church has a very uh, close tie to Mayfield, Kentucky, because our founding pastor, Frank Drewota, was the minister there before he came to Woodmont in 1943. And I've seen videos where all four of the major churches in Kentucky, in the downtown area, basically been wiped out. Um, and so uh, our hearts go out uh, to our neighbors. We are going to do whatever we can, as we always do as a church, to help. We're going to open a, a tornado recovery fund, and we'll put that money to work on the ground. And then there's going to be Steve LaForge and Deb LaForge have already been up there, and there's going to be sustained opportunities uh, with Hope Force and with other groups to help uh, in the aftermath of, of these terrible storms. So let's keep all of these folks in our, in our prayers uh, this morning. One of the family traditions at the Stauffer House every Christmas after we get the decorations up and once the Advent season moves forward is after dinner, we will gather in our den and we will watch as a family some of the great holiday classics. And this might include Frosty the Snowman, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Home Alone 1 and 2, and you can argue over which one is better. Our family likes Home Alone 2 better. Um, Christmas vacation, if Wade goes to bed early, because we still debate what the uh, appropriate age is to watch Christmas vacation. But there's another movie that we all love that's a family classic, and it's a movie called Elf. Many of you have seen Elf. But in this movie, Will Ferrell plays a human who crawls into Santa's bag at an orphanage when he's a young baby, and he's taken back and he's raised in the North Pole. Now, Buddy the Elf, as he is named, is different from all the other elves. He's about three times their size. He doesn't fit the, in the elf furniture, the beds, the chairs, all of that. He can't make toys fast enough or as fast as the other elves. And, and he also sings bass in the elf choir. He's the only bass, in fact. Uh, one day after Buddy has been struggling with the uh, toy uh, etch-a-sketches in the workshop, he happens to overhear two elves talking and one of them says, do you think that Buddy has figured out that he's a human yet? And all of a sudden it occurs to Buddy that he's different from everybody else. So Santa explains to Buddy that he was put up for adoption when he was a baby and he was brought back to the North Pole and he was raised and that his father named Walter Hobbs lives in New York and he's actually on the naughty list, which really upsets Buddy. So the movie is about Buddy's journey to New York to try to find his dad. And Buddy doesn't understand human life because he's lived in the North Pole his whole life. Lots of things happen to him along the way. He tries to hug a porcupine. Uh, anybody ever done, tried to do that uh, metaphorically? Try to hug a porcupine? He gets hit by a taxi cab. He uh, gets a job at a department store. He tries to eat gum off the subway. And uh, finally tracks down his father, Walter, Walter Hobbs. Now my kids love this movie because it's funny. And there's something about the innocence of Buddy the Elf that makes him so likable. He is full of joy and excitement because he hasn't yet been marred by the cynicism of the human world. It's a good family Christmas movie. 
Today, the Leach family, who actually have great ties to Kentucky, Justin and Carrie are both from Kentucky, they have now lit the third candle on the Advent wreath, the candle for joy. We started off by talking about hope and how we, uh, we need hope in this world because there's a lot of pain and darkness. Last week, we lit the candle for peace and we talked about how peace is lacking in this world. And I shared with you just a, a few practical thoughts about how we can find peace this Christmas, including slowing down and simplifying, showing kindness to other people, cultivating spiritual practices like worship and, and prayer and scripture, practicing forgiveness, controlling your anger, and doing the things that help you experience peace. Today, we light the candle for joy. And I want you to know that joy is directly tied to peace. Without peace, we can't find joy at Christmas or any other time of the year. These two virtues go hand in hand. One leads to the other. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, it was a world full of poverty, heavy taxation, and paranoid tyrannical rulers like Herod who wanted to put all the newborn babies to death. The literature of that time says that the Israelite people lived with little hope for the future. One writer even said that the world was perishing, rotting, decaying, reaching its end. And so it's no wonder that in foretelling the birth of Christ, Isaiah writes these words, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness on them light has shined. After a year like the one we've had, really two years now, if you're honest. Many of us might wonder, you know, can Christmas still be magical and powerful and wonderful in a world where there's so much pain and hurt and suffering? Can it still bring us hope in a world that often seems and feels very hopeless? How, how do we celebrate Christmas in a world where we know that all is not well in the lives of so many people? People that are homeless, hungry, grieving, Lonely, sad, depressed, people that have lost their homes and loved ones in an awful tornado early Saturday morning. The question is not how can we celebrate Christmas in such a world, but how we need Christmas in such a world like the one that we have. The prophet Micah foretells the birth of Christ by saying, he shall judge between many peoples and shall arbitrate between strong nations. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation and neither shall they learn war anymore. We need the peace that Jesus brings in our world, in our community, and in our hearts. But it's Luke's gospel account that Jay read that is probably the most famous well-known of all the birth narratives, of the birth narratives. Mary and Joseph had traveled from Nazareth and Galilee to Bethlehem to be part of the census mandated by Caesar Augustus. They made what was an 80-mile journey very late in Mary's pregnancy, and while they were there in Bethlehem, it came time for Mary to deliver the child. And so because of the census, Bethlehem was completely overcrowded. There were people everywhere from everywhere. And so there was no room for them uh, in the inn. And so we learn that they had to go back into a stable and, and give birth in a stable because of, there was no room for them in the inn. Now, Luke also includes in his account that there were shepherds. They were living in the fields. They were 
keeping watch over their flock by night. When suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were absolutely terrified until they heard the wonderful news. Do not be afraid. I'm bringing you good news of a great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You shall find the babe wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And so they went with haste to Bethlehem. And when they arrived, sure enough, they found Mary and Joseph and they found the child lying in the manger. In a book he wrote called Peace Work, Henry Nouwen makes the clear connection between peace and joy. He says, there's probably no surer sign of a true peacemaker than joy. Sadness, bitterness, anger, and melancholy are all dark experiences and show how close the powers of death we have become. Where there is joy, there is light. When I think back on my own life to the times that I have experienced or felt the greatest joy, there are some obvious things that come to mind, being ordained into the Christian ministry back in 2005, getting married to my wife, Megan, right here in the sanctuary back in 2009, the birth of all three of, of my children, Montgomery, Clayton, and, and Wade, certainly brought lots of joy. But when I think about the other times that I have felt joy, it's times like this. When I traveled to Guatemala and got to meet the family that we had been sponsoring for a few years, when I got to meet them in person, when our men's group would go out on food trucks to serve meals, when I've gone to deliver food baskets to, to families uh, at Christmas time with the Rotary Club, these are the times in my life when I've experienced a deep sense of joy. I've always had a very simple formula for joy. And Justin shared it this morning. Some of you've heard it over the years. It's joy. It's G, G it's J-O-W. J-O-Y. I'm tired this morning. <laughs> J-O-Y. These are the priorities. About to get creative. <laughs> Jesus, others, yourself. Let's start with Jesus. I'm gonna, I'm gonna raise some questions that I want you to think about with each of these. Let's start with Jesus. Who is Jesus to you and do you have a relationship with him? Not just at Christmas time, but all the time. Do you read the gospels? Do you reflect upon his words and his teachings? Do you try to live according to what he says? Do you surround yourself with people who also try to follow Jesus? There are many Christians in the world who simply don't get Jesus. And maybe it's because they don't try. Or maybe it's because they know what Jesus is asking and they're just not up for it. It requires too much, it demands too much. Jesus calls us to love, love God, love our neighbor. Jesus calls us to serve those who are in need. Jesus calls us to forgive and let things go. Not just talk about forgiveness, but forgive and let things go and leave it in the past. Jesus calls us to be humble because as C.S. Lewis once said, pride is a spiritual cancer. It's at the root of every sin. Jesus calls us to not live in fear, to not worry all the time. Are we taking him seriously or not? 
Then in Luke 4, when he begins his public ministry, Jesus gives us the platform for his ministry. He quotes the prophet Isaiah when he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free. And so if we're his followers, then that's also what we're called to do. Next, after Jesus, what we will find is that he's calling us to serve others. And this is a problem because so many people are, are, are all wrapped up in self. Look at me, look at what I'm doing. Look at how great I am. Look at how I'm always right, I'm never wrong. Are we genuinely interested in the lives of others? Do we go out of our way to serve others? One of the things that we have to do a better job at in the new year at Woodmont's, one of the reasons why uh, Jay's new position is what it is, is we've got to, coming out of this pandemic, whenever it's gonna end, but coming into the new year, we have to do a better job of getting out and serving in the community. You know, the pandemic has made this hard for many of us because we've been afraid uh, to get out. Many opportunities have been canceled. We don't have that excuse anymore. Uh, Steve talked last week about how we're restarting Room in the Inn. Uh, he did that during the missional moment. And guess what? We've had a great response to that. In the coming days, there's gonna be opportunities for you to serve and help the people of Kentucky who've been completely devastated by these tornadoes. We have this amazing partnership with Fall Hamilton Elementary School right here in Nashville, next to the fairgrounds. You can go be a reading buddy. You can go be a lunch buddy. On Saturdays, you can go and take up a parking money for the flea market and all that money goes to help Fall Hamilton. We have an amazing ministry down on Green Street where many people are living in tiny homes and, and, and different Woodmont groups go and serve food all the time there. We always need Sunday school teachers and youth sponsors to guide our young people. And if you talk to the folks that are already doing that on a regular basis, that's their favorite time of the week. All of these things allow us to go and serve other people. And what we find is that when we go and serve others and we make a difference, we experience incredible amounts of joy. In a self-centered world where everybody is self-promoting, Jesus calls us to serve others, to put others first. And when we look around, what we find is the need is everywhere. Finally, J, O, Y, the Y stands for yourself. After we seek Jesus, which leads us to serve others, then we can focus on self. What are you doing to grow in your faith as a Christian? What are you doing for self-care? You know, self-care is not selfish. Setting up boundaries is not selfish. When, when I took a sabbatical earlier this year, I was exhausted. The combination of the pandemic and the lockdowns and the politics and the division and the racial tension, all of it wore me out. I heard Rick Warren recently say, if you went into the pandemic already tired, then it didn't take long before it wore you out. If you went into the pandemic with pretty good energy, then what you probably found is you get tired a lot sooner than you used to. And what happens when you get exhausted is you don't experience joy because you're worn out. And a lot of people get that way at Christmas because they're worn out. They're trying to do too much. 
As human beings, we have four basic areas of need. We have physical need, mental needs, emotional needs, and spiritual needs. And whether we realize it or not, these are all tied together. If we neglect one, it affects the others. So the goal in life should always be to maintain a sense of balance. Last Sunday, I mentioned the the concept of emotional intelligence because I really believe in it. And the first two components of emotional intelligence are self-awareness and self-regulation. We need to know when we are running on fumes and we need to know how to regulate our emotions. Nobody can do this for us. And we simply will not experience joy or peace this Christmas if we're running on empty. So self-care is essential. And guess what? You can't grow spiritually if you're not doing self-care. It just won't happen. J-O-Y, follow Jesus, serve others, take care of yourself. Now back to Luke this morning. The angel appears to the shepherds and says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of a great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. You see, in that day, the shepherds, they didn't have a whole lot of status. They were poor. They had a hard job tending the sheep, keeping the wolves away. They weren't very educated. But Luke tells us that the angel appeared to them. And then when they went to Bethlehem, they found Mary and Joseph and the, and the babe lying in the manger, just like the wise men. They were changed. They were transformed. They weren't left the same. And so Christmas should change us. It should not leave us the same. The joy that we can experience at Christmas is way better than just being happy. Happiness is tied to lots of things that are out of our control. One day we might be happy, the next day we're not. Joy runs deep. The joy that we can experience once we know that God loves us, that God sent his son into the world to show us how to live despite the fact that we don't deserve it, despite the fact that we screw it up all the time, despite the fact that we're often selfish, that should fill us with joy. That should transform our hearts. That's why Christmas is a miracle. Emmanuel means God with us. God came to earth in human form and God became one of us and God showed us how to live, how to love, how to treat each other. Through Jesus Christ, the divine became human. The eternal appeared in time. The creator became a part of creation. Or as John writes, In the fourth gospel, so eloquently, the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of a father's only son, full of grace and full of truth. I love what somebody once said. They said, if our greatest need had been for information, then God would have sent us an educator. And if our greatest need had been for technology, God would have sent us a scientist. And if our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist or a banker. And if our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was for a savior. And so God sent his son to teach us how to live, to teach us how to love. The word became flesh and lived among us, full of grace, full of truth. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. That's why we sing, that's why we rejoice. 
And that's what will bring incredible joy into each of our hearts. Bad things happen. Storms sweep through, people hurt us and disappoint us. But if you find that joy and you find that peace, then nobody and nothing can take it away. Amen.